Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julia Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to invite our guest today. Her name is Alison Mozilla. And then Alison and I met from taking online acting class taught by James Dumont. So I don't know if I had met her in person yet. I think we met at the, the last class right before the COVID shutdown. Oh, so anyways, I would love to welcome Allison to A Gift from Adversity. Allison, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast, so very exciting. <laughs> so we are on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and then it's going to go on podcast, on Anchor, and Spotify. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Alison, can you tell our audience your name and who you are? And then if you are on Facebook Live, uh, YouTube Live, if you have any questions, so tell us who you are. So my name is Allison Wazila, as Cherry said. Um, I was, how far do we want to go back? I was born in Minnesota, but raised in Wyoming. That's usually what I like to tell people. Um, but I've lived in Boston for 20 some years. I'm an actor. I'm a nonprofit uh, leader. I am an activist around numerous causes and I'm a mother of four. So I'm a very, very busy person, but my passion really is truly acting. Great. So um, you have some audio kind of, which I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly. I'll just hold the phone. We'll see if that's better. Yeah, that can sounds better. That better? Okay. Is there any way you can, yeah, he's, uh, some of our audiences, audio is kind of corrupted, but I think it's better now. Do you have something okay. that you can put on? I had it on something. Oops, sorry. Uh, no, I'm not is... a person. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. I think better. Yeah, sounds good. Great. So let's continue on. So the reason why I wanted to start a gift from adversity, um, this has been on my mind after I published my book, A Gift from Adversity. Uh, which I talked openly about my child sex abuse experience, uh, domestic violence, bullying, and homelessness. And after I published the book, it's available on Amazon, that um, I've gotten a lot of messages from all over the places and then uh, sharing their experiences and then their situations, some um, kind of um, crisis situations as well. And then I, to be honest with you, had no idea some of the people, friends that I've known for a long time had a similar experience as I was. And then I felt really compelled to start this show because I realized I was invited to a lot of podcasts or interview. And then speaking of it, kind of healed me and also empowered some people. I got really good feedback. So I wanted to do my own show called A Gift From Adversity, but specifically talking about adversity, nothing else, but then also the tips and tangible tools that people use uh, to overcome and everyone's different and also a gift part of it. So um, that's why I asked Alison to see if she could share her story. And then so 
that's why. Now, Alison, would you mind to tell our audience what was your adversity? Sure. Um, I mean, the story I'd like to tell is one that happened to me in 2016, March 2016. Um, as I said, I'm from Wyoming and I grew up riding horses. And horses truly are, besides acting, my passion. Um, I feel very connected and spiritual when I'm riding and have always wanted to learn to be a jumper um, as an adult. I grew up doing kind of more Western riding and 4-H. And so I've always had this dream of of kind of the, the East Coast, you know, beautiful farms with horses and, and people jumping out in the pastures. And um, I wanted to make that happen once I moved out East. So I was riding, learning, taking lessons in 2016. Um, I had four children, that's how many I have, but my youngest was three. So I had a very busy house. And um, Unfortunately, just like with any riding situation, um, you know, something can happen very quickly or with any sport and your life can change. And I was doing a very low jump with a horse and the horse tripped and fell forward. So I, even though I had a helmet on, which is required by law, you know, I landed on the front of my head and um, then flipped over. So really my brain kind of had an impact from the front and then to the back. And that is important to note just when it comes to learning about brain injury and sort of where your your symptoms can come if you do get a concussion. So, you know, I, I, I felt a little strange that day. I didn't black out. I didn't get headaches. But five days later, my life completely changed. And it was as if I were a completely different person. Um, and that began two years of recovery from a very difficult brain injury. Wow. So it took five days from the original accident to develop something. And what happened? What, how did it change you? So, yeah, typically I think some, you know, often we think of concussion, we think of kids or we think of NFL players. I mean, honestly, that's, that's often where our, our brain, no pun intended, goes um, is to, to those examples that we know about. And, you know, often you see the guy that's on the field and he gets kind of up, you know, he's seeing stars or he blacks out or something and he gets checked right away and uh, maybe he's like off, you know, not able to play for a while. Um, other times when somebody gets a brain injury or a concussion, uh, they may not have symptoms for a couple of days because the swelling in the brain, it's really a bruise of the brain. Um, it takes a while for that to actually impact how your brain functions. So I can tell you that I really didn't feel, I mean, the night it happened, I literally put on a dinner party for 12 people and cooked like a crazy menu. Um, and then five days later, I was, I was a completely different person having kind of a panic and anger attack. Um, and it felt like something had completely taken over my brain. Um, and I suddenly, you know, was struggling with a lot of suicidal thoughts that really continued on for many, many months. But really the, the largest symptom for me that made life almost too difficult to, to experience was um, the sound. And a lot of people have, you know, extreme sensory issues when they have a brain injury. That's why they usually recommend that you go to a dark room and lay down. Um, when you have post-concussive syndrome, which is what I ended up getting, developing, um, and yet you're a mother, there's no way that you can go lay down in a dark room for the number of weeks that you would need to heal. And in fact, even though I went to a concussion center and had you know professional assistance, it, it really did take two years of therapy 
different kinds of therapy before I really felt like I had my life back. So what kind of therapy did you go through? So interestingly, you know, a lot of things happen um, and everybody that gets a brain injury, whether it's just a concussion, I shouldn't say just, but whether it's a concussion or, um, you know, a, a more advanced um, traumatic brain injury or post-concussive syndrome, um, everyone has different symptoms and there are enough, in, you know, similar that people can obviously diagnose um, this issue. I did not have headaches and that's often associated with a lot of people that have these injuries. Um, I did have the sensory issues. And I think the biggest thing that, that, that came for me was the rage. And I kind of call it like the NFL effect. So I would go from zero to 60 and literally, and I will talk about this openly. Um, people don't like to talk about angry women, but I, I was an angry woman. And when you have reached your limit by 5 PM that day, and that's just when all your kids are coming home and just when you're trying to make a meal, and suddenly your house is filled with chaos and noise and fighting siblings. It, it was enough to literally make me want to hit my head against a cabinet um, out of anger. I, I became a different person. I mean, you know me, I'm generally a very nice, open, kind Minnesota girl. And yet this rage that was inside of me that you often associate with somebody who might play football and who has repeated injuries like this, um, I had that. And it was insanely scary and, and isolating. So back to your question of what did I do for that? Um, you know, I, I definitely had my own therapist that I'd continued to have for, for many years. And I worked hard on just trying to find out who the new me was. Um, at the concussion center, I actually worked with a speech therapist. And, you know, a lot of people think that speech therapy is really all about the speech that comes out of your mouth. Um, it's as much about the information that comes into your brain and the information that is needed to then come out into words. So one thing I couldn't do is organize my thoughts. I couldn't cook. I couldn't follow recipes. Um, I couldn't really um, think through a series of tasks or kind of accomplish what most women do in a day, which is hundreds of little items. So, um, and yet I had to try to keep my house moving. Um, one thing I thought was interesting that I looked up just to double check that my speech therapist had helped me with was, you know, when you're driving on average, you make 160 decisions per mile. So your brain is constantly assessing, oh, there's a pothole or there's this, oh, there's a bird, there's a branch. Um, we're not aware of that. But when you get exhaustion from every one of those decisions that your brain is making when you have an injury like this, you are, you have brain fatigue and you literally cannot function, which is why people sleep to recover. Um, but again, as a mom with an injury like this, the world doesn't stop for you. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of double standards. And I've realized that as a woman who's gone through, you know, TBI recovery. It is, um, really unimaginable I, I cannot even think of how it's like to be in that situation with small children and a lot of pressure and but you are aware of this injury and then you are like kind of like kind of observing yourself in a way 
because you have awareness, but then it's really uncontrollable. Am I accurate or not really? Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it's, um, you, you, you think you can control it, but the way to control it for me would have been, and I'm not good at this, simplifying my life, right? Um, driving far less, asking for more help. I have very few family members here. My parents don't live here. So they would have been the people I think that would have, you know, definitely helped out if they could have in terms of everyday help. I just remember, you know, again, as a mom and you know how many things we do that we, if we had to tell everyone every step of what we do every day for our kids and our households, it would be a book. And um, all I wanted, and I said this to my husband numerous times within the first few weeks was, I just want a Mary Poppins. I want someone that can come in because I could barely talk. I could barely get words out. And so I wouldn't have even had the ability to tell someone all the things that they needed to do to help me. Um, so, you know, we kind of limped along for a few months. This happened in March and, um, you know, summer came. I took a trip with my family. I didn't realize that flying can actually exacerbate those symptoms. So then that set me back a couple months. Um, one night I went out on a boat in the harbor I had no idea that that imbalance on your brain can actually also set you back. So I ended up in bed for another week, um, just unable to kind of balance myself. And it, it just, it, it, it's amazing how much our brain does for us that we're not aware of until something like this happens. Wow. So a part of my podcast or interview, the show um, that I want uh, my guest to share. I know you went through the therapy and you shared that, but what do you think for people who are especially suffering from the traumatic brain injury out there who might be listening to this show, um, out of all these methods and then different things that you have used, what do you think that worked the most for you? you know, I can tell you what I wish I had done more of, which is ask for help. And I think that people should not feel ashamed to ask for help. It's very difficult because it's an invisible disability, generally. Um, you know, people would look at me and they wouldn't see anything wrong. And then I would go home and have a complete meltdown, you know, and just not be able to get out of my bed for hours or days. Um, and I think if I'd been able to really explain to friends what my life was like at that point, um, I would have felt supported and I would have been kinder to myself, allowing myself to sleep when I needed to, asking for help with rides, um, maybe not taking on projects. I mean, I actually did take on an acting role a few months after that. Um, the fall after that, I was in a musical and I was trying to learn choreography and I nearly broke myself just because I could not remember steps, you know, so I was really pushing myself when instead I should have been recovering and realizing that it was many months to probably over a year that I needed to just get through this. So being kind to yourself is a lesson that I think people with um, brain injury should really focus on. And it's very hard for a lot of us to do that. So, 
you know, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story and then being brave. And a lot of times people who went through those kind of traumatic injury um, maybe feel a little bit, you know, I don't know, hard to share, maybe, maybe especially like the show like this. So I truly appreciate you being here today. And from the bottom of my heart, I respect you. And I really adore, like, you know, you know, your passion. Like, you know, I respect as a mother. And also you are working at a school committee. Can you tell me? Yeah, I was elected to my local school committee. Um, so that is one of my jobs. And then I sit on a number of nonprofit boards and I work on advocacy around autism and neurodiversity. And I, if I can jump in, I just have to say that one of the, I guess, silver linings, because there always are some, of this challenge is that um, sometimes people say when they've had a TBI um, or you know post-concussive disorder that it's almost like some people have said autism light in the sense that a lot of the symptoms, especially the ones related to sensory issues, um, kind of mimic how many people with autism are on the spectrum feel much of the time. And my oldest son is on the spectrum. And so I, I began to see the world differently, more through his eyes, so that when I was in a loud restaurant, I could start to understand how he just needs to leave. And I would be the person that had to leave. So it actually gave me a lot more empathy and sympathy for people who have neurodiverse profiles um, because I was going through a lot of the same things that they were and are. Um, so I'm grateful in a sense that I can also talk about this because a lot of women go through it and there's not a lot of support for them. And most of the medical studies do not focus on women and we tend to have more symptoms and take longer to recover. So is there any website that people can go to possibly if somebody is suffering and then maybe helpline or something that you can share? Uh, well, one place, the place that I got help, and it's kind of one of the leading concussion centers, I think, in the country is called the Cantu Concussion Center. It's in Concord, Massachusetts, and it's C-A-N-T-U. And Dr. Cantu has done tons of research. Um, he worked very closely with one of the um, NHL players. Boston and got some fame and notoriety because of the work that he did with that player. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how specifically they've looked at women uh, as kind of a, a set of data, but I know that they were incredibly helpful with me and helped me help me survive, help me get through it. Wow. You know, I watched the movie Concussion, uh, Will Smith, and then um, I had no idea until I watched that movie, that even like a small amount of impact can really, really have a lifetime, lifelong effect. And then like what you said, the people cannot see that you have the injury inside because it's internal. So that some of the social setting might be very difficult. Like when you're having this uncontrollable things caused by the injury, brain injury, that, you know, I think it's just so hard for, you know, a moment like that, like the, your case is riding on horse and just accident and that's impacted for a really long time. So NFL players, but how are you doing right now after all this like therapy and everything said, 
are you feeling okay or do you still feel some symptoms? I mean, this is almost six years ago now. So I would like to think that um, I'm past any kind of symptom. However, and maybe this is just age, maybe it has nothing to do with this, but I do feel that, you know, I used to be very, very good about memorizing and sort of short-term memory. Um, that's definitely harder for me. I mean, I have moments where my brain just kind of shuts down and I do feel like that was not the case before, but many people will say, oh, that just happens after you're 40. So I don't know what's true, but I do know that it's frustrating and it does bring back the intense frustration that I had for those two years when, um, you know, I just, I didn't feel that I could be myself. I couldn't communicate. That was one of the hardest things for me because I'm a communicator. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm grateful. Oh, and a year ago, I started horseback riding again, and it is, again, my passion. And I ride now about four days a week. So Wow, that's so crazy. Like, how did you find a courage to go back to where the incident happened? I haven't ridden back at where it happened. So I've switched where I ride. Um, but I never was really afraid to get back on the horse. And most horse people, they're used to getting thrown. They're used to falling. It's just part of the sport. You know, if you play football, you're going to fall. And so we have such a love for the horses and for the sport itself that most of us will get right back on. And I did actually get right back on after I fell. I had to. You kind of have to. Um, but now I'm jumping again. And it, I've definitely had to work through some fear. You know, a little jump on the ground. I, my, my muscles were more nervous than my brain. Um, but now I'm up to about three feet I can jump. And that's been a dream come true for me, to be able to ride a really big horse and jump really high. So That's incredible. Wow. So I really um, don't know much about this. And then I'm very happy that you shared it with me and with our audience who's going to be listening to it on live or the podcast later on. And do you have any advice, tangible thing that I know you said ask for help, but besides that, maybe like internally, like, you know, if they were maybe self-judging or like, you know, saying something to themselves, like, do you have any advice to overcome that? You know, I think because this is an internal injury and it's affecting the organ with which we rationalize and feel and, 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 you know, use to kind of survive every day, it's very difficult to try to heal yourself from the inside out. So I really feel that the people I've talked to, I've talked to many women who've gone through this. Um, I think most people that have felt the most successful in their healing and the least frustrated are the ones that have asked for help, whether it's from a family member, whether it's from professionals, um, whether it's from a friend who's just, you know, if they say, hey, I just can't do this. And the friend is the one that gives them permission to sleep or to just turn down a job or to not make a meal. Um, you know, I think for people who are perfectionists or high achievers, this is actually one of the most difficult injuries. You know, I think people who are high achieving athletes, when they break a leg or something, they have that same kind of frustration. And I think, you know, creatives and, and high pushing, high achieving individuals who work, 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 this is probably one of the toughest things for them to overcome. 
So I think, as you said, be gentle with yourself. Um, don't make your own calendar for how long you think it's going to take to heal. Let your brain and body kind of guide you and just sort of give into that and um, just love yourself through it because it's a very lonely place to be. And it's important to surround yourself with people who will educate themselves about it if they don't know about it. And there's actually a lot of books and, and support groups for family members, um, for loved ones. And I urge people to, to look for those. Got it. So we would like to wrap our program, but before we do that, I want to ask the last question I always ask uh, for my guests, which is a gift that came from the adversity that you went through. So how would you say or identify what is a gift that you learned from the adversity? I think one of the biggest gifts is understanding the power of forgiveness. I think there were so many mistakes that I made when I was in those moments of anger. Um, and when I was that person that really wasn't me and my children still love me to this day, you know, and my husband stayed with me. And there were a lot of years where it didn't seem like that was gonna work. And I know for a lot of people that go through this, they often can't keep a, you know, relationship together in terms of, you know, an intimate relationship or just, um, you know, with a partner. It took a lot of work, but I think at the base of it, it really comes down to forgiveness and love which is really what comes to healing a lot of adversity, right? So um, I'm grateful that my family is as forgiving as they are and that I've been able to forgive myself. Well, thank you very much for sharing it again. Um, is there any website that you want to promote, social media that people can follow, um, if anything that you want to so shout out? I just got my own first website out. It's an acting website, um, alisonmozilla.com. Uh, however, I'm very, very interested in doing a project, a film project about TBIs and women. And so if anybody is interested in that in the acting world or the producing world, um, you can reach out to me on that website. And if anybody also has questions just about um, how to get through this or how to help someone who's going through it, also on my website, there's a contact form and you can email me. Great. So you a little bit mentioned about film. I know you've made some film. I just would made a film, yep. Would you want to talk a little bit about it? <laughs> um, okay, well, I, yes, I'm so thrilled that literally a week ago, last Friday, almost a week ago, um, my first film that I wrote and acted in is completed, was completed. and. Um, feels like I had a fifth baby because it was like such a big deal. I learned so much. And again, it's about taking risks, you know, and that's another thing I did learn from, from all of this, that you don't have to keep taking risks in your life, but then you're not going to learn and grow and, and meet amazing people. And so that's what I ended up doing with this film. And I'm very proud of it. And um, it's going to be premiering sometime this spring and at film festivals, hopefully. And it's a comedy, and that's that's my favorite genre. That's what I feel like I can bring to the world. It's just a lot of laughter and smiles. So um, yeah, thank you for letting me mention it. Of course, what is the title of the movie and how can people learn about the movie? The title of the movie is called Scotch, Please, as in I'll have a scotch, please. 
at the bar. Um, and I'm sure there will be updates on my website since it just got done. I haven't updated, but uh, there will be there will be information there. There's also we have an Instagram, um, Scotchley's Instagram handle, and my own Allison.Muzilla.actor will be promoting Scotchley's from there. And I know I saw my friend Brian McDonald was in your movie. Yes, I actually wrote this piece for Brian and for me. Um, and that just reminded me, he did set up an IMDb page. So there is an IMDb page for Scotch, please. Um, this is all new territory, so I'm not remembering everything. But um, we had a blast doing it, and he's an amazing actor. And I'm thrilled that he participated. This was just uh, a script written for a class, and we ended up just putting it on film, and hopefully people will enjoy it. Wonderful. Yes, I had a previous work with Brian for the film mm -hmm. that I produced called Sweet Wind, written by Paul Kandarian. And then we won Judge's Show Film Festival, and Brian was a huge part of this. So I'm very excited that after this traumatic brain injury, and then therapy and learning, and then through the love and support from your family and friends, that right now you are acting, making films, and doing great things in the community, and being an advocate and great being a great mom and great friend and i really appreciate you so so much allison this is such an honor jerry thank you for letting me tell the story i haven't been able to um and it it you know i've spoken to a lot of people about it but um i i thank people for listening it's not one of those things you hear often about because i think there's a lot of shame about it or just people want to think that they can keep living life as as normal and often you can't so thank you for shining a light on it and for this wonderful podcast and everything that you do. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. And then we have tomorrow actually a show with my friend Rachel. Rachel. Um, she's going to talk about um, some mental health issues. 9.30 p.m. tomorrow, but this episode is going to be available right away on YouTube, and also it's going to be available on Instagram and Spotify. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Alison, again for coming into my show. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. Bye.